Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Blast Podcast, a show where we believe movies can be more than just movies. I'm your host, Steve Watts, joined as always by my co-host, Freddie Fazbear, and today we're going to be talking about our thoughts on Five Nights at Freddy's and the tweaks we think that could make it a little bit better. Um, Before we discuss what we've watched this week, let's hear a word from our sponsor. As always, the Blast Podcast is presented by the Blast app, which is going to be available sooner than you may realize. Make sure you're following our Instagram page at Blast underscore movies underscore, our TikTok at Blast.movies, and our YouTube channel at Blast.movies to stay up to date on all of our latest content. There you'll find podcast clips, movie ticket reviews from Ty and myself, and up-to-date news on the progress of the app. Lastly, please make sure to check out our app's landing page at Blastmovies.net, where you can learn more about what Blast is going to be. Alright Ty, coming off a very disappointing week last week, <laughs> it's time to redeem yourself, what'd you watch? Um, I did a little better, a little better, last week was a big fat zero, this week, <laughs> one, and a, one and a half, um, I did watch FNAF, uh, because I had to, because it was my job, I went to the theaters <laughs> for it, and believe me, we're going to talk about this theater experience, but the following day... I watched it with my brother on Peacock, so I got not only the theater experience, but the Peacock experience, so Mm. that was fun, so that's one movie, and then the half, I put in my notes earlier this week that I watched Spider-Man 2, I wasn't talking about the movie, none of them, I was talking about the eight-hour cinematic gameplay of Spider-Man 2, the PS5 game that just dropped, no, I won't watch a movie, but I'll watch eight hours of someone else playing a video game. I'm sick. I don't understand why. But with that said, you know, I know we're never going to talk about this game on the pod. I didn't think it was better than the first game. The story in one was way stronger, but there is an element to this game, the storyline, that I think they should have done for the third Raimi movie when it comes to the character of Venom. There was a rewrite that I watched, like a rewrite essay I watched on YouTube years ago that... And I don't want to get into spoilers for anyone that is playing the game, but what they do with Venom is literally ripped straight from that YouTube rewrite from like seven, eight years ago. And it worked. Venom's great. But that was my one and a half movies of the week, you know? Nice. Yeah. It's whatever. <laughs> Congrats. Um, I started the week off with Sleepy Hollow, and then you're going to see kind of how this leads up to Halloween. I watched four scary movies on Halloween. It was awesome. Actually, five. Oh, wow. Um, after Sleepy Hollow, I visited Morgan last weekend, and we had agreed, because uh, we dated, we started dating around Halloween, and so um, I always made the joke that for our one-year anniversary, we're going to sit down and watch Skinnamarink. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so we How did she through. do? Uh, she actually, it didn't really hit her the same way I think it hit the both of us, um, especially through that first, like, hour or so. It, was, it wasn't it was as good for her. She wasn't really feeling any of the tension or anything. I don't think she got fully immersed. But as soon as that phone scare hit, <laughs> she was gone. I still had a, like, I remember the anxiety attack. I had it a cracker barrel when I saw that, like, Fisher-Price cell phone on the shelf. <laughs> also... I did not watch another movie. Like, I'm not missing anything. But I do have a movie-esque story for you. So, you mentioned Halloween. And, you know, I didn't get to watch a full movie. I did end up watching the opening scene of The Batman before I decided not to watch the rest because that's what I do. But Halloween is no longer Halloween for me. It is Batman Day. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, put on the, put on my gym, my gym fit, Went to the gym and only played Camp Fight City Halloween all the way there. For anyone that's wondering, that is the song that plays in Batman's opening narration of that movie, where he's talking about how how he is the shadows. And I felt like the shadows at five in the morning, ripping a, a back and buys day. It was fantastic. I'm worried about you. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I need professional help, but Batman Day was really fun. Um, 
I followed up Skinner Inc. with Thinner. And by the way, Skinner Inc. hit me the same exact way the second time through. I thought it was amazing again. Um, Followed that up with Thinner, though. Have you seen this? It's like a Stephen King adaptation by Tom Holland, who's not like young Tom Holland, but the Tom Holland that directed um, Child's Play. I have not. I have not seen it. I've seen Child's Play, but not Thinner. It's a, it's an interesting one. My mom always talks about um, how she picked up the book at an airport because she had like a short flight and it's a pretty short book. And she said that she just read straight through it the, on the flight and was like crazy about it. And I think that maybe it's a little bit better in book form. Um, I think some of the scares and, and like eeriness of it doesn't really translate to the screen. Um, followed that up though with one of my favorite movies ever that I don't know if you know this I have never watched this all the way through Evil Dead 2 no way okay and again I've I've seen these movies like bare bones at least Evil Dead 2 is essentially just a remake of one but with a bigger budget correct correct yes and it is phenomenal and it is one of my it's, it's a comfort movie for me weirdly because Every time I am having just, like, super long week, I'm feeling way too stressed and stuff, you are not going to find a movie that is more fun than Evil Dead 2. And I put it on, and usually at whenever Ash is just, like, screaming about nonsense for 15 minutes, I just fall asleep because I'm exhausted. And this Halloween, I actually watched it all the way through, and it was awesome, as I knew before. Um... I gave it a 10 out of 10, 5 stars, A+, plus, whatever you want to say. Followed that up with the end of the trilogy, Army of Darkness, which I'd never attempted at watching because I hadn't finished Evil Dead 2. Wasn't as good, but I did still enjoy it quite a bit. Um, have you seen this one or no? I have not. Basically, Ash like gets transported back to medieval times and has to fight Evil Dead there. It's absurd. Yeah, I, I think I've seen a clip of this where he's given maybe a speech or a rally cry with a shotgun arm or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, weird. next up on the list, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Love it. One of my favorites. Not much to add to the conversation right now. Then I did your job and I watched The Thing. Um, this is your. Is this still your favorite horror movie of all time? It's always, my argument is it's 1A, 1B with Hereditary. It just comes down to what kind of scary movie i'm feeling and please just spare me the tangent i'm too crabby to fight with you on this okay um then i had a great like blast experience um we talked about child's play a little bit but around like 11 30 or midnight on halloween i turned on child's play and my mom was saying that she was gonna head up to bed and um, she ended up just getting sucked into the movie and was and watched the whole thing through with me till like one in the morning, and she loved it. She thought it was hilarious. We're talking about Child's Play or the Thing? Child's Play. Okay. Oh, how does this? Oh, this is separate from the Thing. Yeah. Finished Got the it. Thing. Moved on to Child's Play. I watched five horror movies on Halloween. It was a great Halloween for me. That's terrific. That that actually surprises me, and it was funny that you mentioned. Evil Dead 2 is a comfort movie because for as long as I've known you what you would consider a comfort movie I would consider mental institution like I <laughs> every every comfort movie that you've recommended me whether they're comfort or not I mean you, you shoot me like a, a waves recommendation or Tyler I'm begging you please watch normal people and then I can't talk to anybody for two months because I'm too sad like this is a weird change of pace for you Yeah, that leads me straight into November 1st, now that spooky season is over. (laughs) I I think like two weeks ago, I watched the first four episodes of Normal People, and yesterday yesterday afternoon I sat down and watched um, the the other eight episodes straight through, and it was, (laughs) Jesus Christ, dude. Just always a religious experience. You choose this life. It's so frustrating. This is why I'm so pumped for the next pod. I, you get to experience movies that, that comfort me, and it's going to make you want to do push-ups. And then I'm going to watch your comfort movies. I'm going to ball my eyes out and be in, be in the feels for two weeks. 
It's ridiculous. I don't understand the concept of rewatching the stuff. It it would it just kills me. So Morgan actually asked me why I was rewatching it because she said, like, I, I texted her something like, "I'm extremely unwell um, during the Connell therapy scene." Yeah, and she's like, "Is that isn't that the goal?" <laughs> Which <laughs> made I, I me don't, laugh. I don't get it. I don't. But I don't get it. How I explained it to her is. I mostly watched it because I've been itching to write lately, and this show is one of the things that makes me feel inspired to be one of the best versions of myself. It makes me want to feel every emotion to its fullest extent and explore those emotions in the most creative ways I possibly can. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It just makes me cry too much for that to be a rewatch. But (laughs) I I understand. I understand. All right, well, look, I, I know that we typically jump into our theater experiences for the movies we're talking about and before we do that i want to introduce a new new segment to the pod and the criteria of the question is is this movie a blast movie and we've been hinting at movies being blast movies in the past but i don't think we've really explained it and the criteria i kind of throw out there for people when they ask me what it means is it either had an awesome viewing experience, it taught me something, or it made me feel something. And in the case of Five Nights at Freddy's, I can't say that I, I learned anything or if it made me feel anything. Um, it, it, did, it was an absolutely great theater experience opening night, and that kind of segues into why this movie was special. I'll flat out say it. The movie grade is pretty close to an F for me. I did not like this movie. But the experience of seeing it was phenomenal, and that's what makes it a blast movie. Uh, my buddy was getting married in our hometown this this last weekend, and all of our high school buddies were in town, and it was like a running joke. Like, okay, my, my buddy getting married, Marco, he has been the biggest FNAF fan. Every single time we all get together at like one of our buddy's lake houses or in one of our friend's like basement parties, at 3 in the morning, someone has to play FNAF with the lights off in front of everyone and we bet the over-under on nights that they survive. It's like a, it's still an experience that we have. So when FNAF was dropping the day before his wedding, like, alright, well we have to go see this. Like, someone book a row. I think we got like eight or nine people to go. One of the notable people that didn't make it, Marco. The guy getting married, the guy that loves FNAF. I'm, I'm not knocking him because he was getting married the night, night or the next night, but kind of suck not having him there because it was such a great time we again were in a packed theater of just a bunch of like 14 15 year olds and then us and at first um i don't think our crowd really liked us because any any every time the animatronics popped up we, we just could not help but laugh and we <laughs> i don't know what it was all of us were stone cold sober it was just I, we were, we all had the giggles, all the bad lines of dialogue, all the really bad character motivations. We, it was like the biggest comedy of the year for us. And we walked out of the theater and like all agreed that it sucked, but was just a great time and that we didn't regret a thing. So F movie grade, but like A, A minus blast grade. I am on the same page with you on the movie grade, but not on the blast grade. For me, this is an F blast grade and an F movie grade. I had a no. horrible theater experience again, dude. No. God, yeah. you are just on an absolute heater of bad theater experiences. Yeah, I, I'm cursed or something. Like, I feel like I haven't had fun at the movie theater since, like, I don't even know, Knock at the Cabin? Like... <laughs> Oh my gosh. See, you know what? Maybe Blast has jinxed you. Like, okay, we're going to build this app promoting the concept of great viewing experiences, and then you're just going to get dunked on every time you go to a theater. No, we're, we're going to get people to go to the theaters, and the people that go to the theaters are going to be the people that drive me nuts. Um, right. This was, this was a sold-out show for me, and it made me really excited because Morgan actually texted me... Um, like three or four nights in advance and she was like hey i just checked the um the fnaf showings and there's only like a few seats left at 5:45, and all the other showings are sold out at the at the local marcus and i was like oh shit yeah 
I'll I'll buy a couple. We got I think two of the last like six seats that were there, and the it started really really strong in the trailers. They played the trailer for Thanksgiving and Night Swim, and everybody was just <laughs> dying laughing. I felt like I was with my people, and then the dude next to me starts yapping and does not stop for the entire <laughs> fucking movie, dude. <laughs> I was losing my mind. So the first thing that he would do is that any time the movie got a little bit quiet, it would be a... <sighs> oh, no. Oh, like, no. It was north of 100 times <laughs> during the movie. Like, it was, it, it was constant. And... One of the times I was dying laughing because there were two high school, maybe college kids in front of me, two guys, and the the yapper goes, why does Mike have to do this at one point? <laughs> and one of the guys in front of me goes, I don't know, man, I don't know. And everybody in the theater <laughs> just is dying laughing. The guy next to me, though, he's also got two large drinks, one on the, one on his armrest and one in the cup holder. <laughs> and there was a huge tobacco over, he asked his friend to get a refill in one of them. Stop. And he couldn't, he couldn't figure out which one was empty. And so he's picking them up and shaking the ice and taking them back and forth. I was going to fucking lose it. All this, well, one of those, like, uh flimsy little plastic crinkly nacho trays is sitting in his lap making oh the most my noise God. possible not a, not a nacho eater those are the worst my brother does that sometimes <laughs> i can't stand it it's so crunchy that is not i cannot believe movie theaters allow nachos that is such bullshit dude i i'm waiting for the day that i go to kendall and somebody gets one of those hot dogs in front of me i will throw up from the smell <laughs> <laughs> yeah no thank you no thank you Anyways, though, this I, I just um, had no fun in the theater. The I will say, towards the end of the movie, there was like a scuffle from those two uh, guys in front of me. And I look down, and I see that one of them is trying to hold the other's hand. <laughs> and the other guy was like just punching him, like trying to get him to let go. <laughs> just uh, two funny guys, I think. Um, and... The only other, like, blast-really theater-related comment is the the Corey Kenshin spot was awesome for me. Um, the, that's the only cameo I really cared about, um, honestly, in recent memory, even. And, I, I don't know, I'm a big Spooky Scary Sunday fan. I think it gives a, a great platform to some short horror films. And yeah. I was glad to see him make it on the big screen for a little bit. Cool. I mean, I, I can't lie. I wasn't in tune with the Kenshin guy, but I did recognize Matt Pat the that's just a theory guy mm -hmm. so that was cool that was cool to see fair enough um you you ready to dive into the the thoughts on fnaf yeah i mean we kind of just dunked on it pretty briefly but this movie's kind of kicking ass at the box office i can't um, believe it yeah so it is the second best um box office performance for video for a video game adaptation so I believe 80 million domestic and 130 globally. And the wow. only movie that trumped it was Super Mario Bros. I think it had like 130 million um, domestic, which is just awesome. But yeah. it is kicking ass. I think it's the greatest horror opening of the year. It's one of Blumhouse's greatest horror openings. I I don't know. It's so funny. We, we've been dunking on it, but clearly the fans got what they wanted. And I wonder if just the game has that wide of a range um it, it's it's tough to say though because um there was obviously a lot of buzz about this being released to peacock the same day as it was in theaters and halloween ends immediately like came to mind um as as a similar release plan but halloween ends only made 41 million domestic in its opening weekend so this this doubling that essentially is absurd to me yeah, and it's funny because you ask people about FNAF, like obviously older people are not really in tune, but when people hear FNAF, it's, oh, the, the indie game that blew up. I don't think people truly understand how big this army is of FNAF fans. I was making a TikTok the other day, um, kind of giving my initial thoughts on the movie, and I, I plugged in hashtag FNAF on TikTok. Five and a half billion 
uses of that hashtag. Holy the, shit. The, yeah, it's just there is a, a, an army. It's almost like Snyder Cut-esque of people that love the FNAF lore and this like game franchise and now soon-to-be movie franchise. Wow. That, that That's insane to me. I didn't really know FNAF was that big. Um, for me, I... I, I've never really gotten into the games. Um, I've watched a couple of gameplays from from now and then, but uh, just never really like knew the lore or anything. I had to have Morgan catch me up on everything that was happening in the movie. Right, yeah. I Full disclosure, I only got into FNAF like two years ago, which is so embarrassing. <laughs> like This was like, something you played when you were 14, but I fell in love at you know 21. And... I've only played the first one, but of course I've seen Markiplier play um, a couple of the games. I think my cousin has made me watch one, two, three, and four, and has kind of explained the lore to me. So there were a couple characters that popped up in the movie that I was like, "Oh, I know who that is," but I, I'm a FNAF one purist. So I, that that's really it. It's kind of funny. Like we can talk about this from our lens, but I'm sure there are millions of fans that feel like they truly honored the games. Yeah, um one of my favorite YouTubers too is a, is a speedrunner and he rented out a movie theater to speedrun FNAF 4 um before this came out. Got a ton of buzz on YouTube, I know. And I would have loved to see something more like just gameplay. Um I don't know how you feel. Oh, totally. I mean, there is like a bunch of memes going around where it's like, oh, what, what the FNAF critics wanted to see. And it's a guy, like, spam-checking gates and lights and, like, closing the, <laughs> the laptop, uh, like, security cams. Uh, <laughs> and I feel it's embarrassing, but that's kind of what I was hoping for in the yeah. opening scene, at least. Like, oh, give me, like, give me Markiplier trying to survive night five at Freddy's. <laughs> I I don't know. But I think there are a lot of story beats, as I've I've read up from some of the fans and like they honored a lot of the story beats not just from the games but like comics and reading material too so Jesus. like some of the things that i thought were really stupid and corny like these were like big story beats from some of the later games and later stories that have evolved so i don't know maybe we're just not the target audience but i wanted to be petrified i, I it's funny in our prep for this pod i sent you like on a rabbit hole of looking up FNAF VHS tapes. Do you did you end up doing your homework? Unfortunately, I didn't get to it. Okay, well, in summary, if if <laughs> if you ever check it out, it's essentially like Kane Pixel's Backrooms. It's just this eerie, just petrifying concept of what FNAF could be in its scariest form. And in this one, well, without getting too much into spoilers, it's not that scary. It it's quite the opposite. There is no. This it, is like PG. Like I, it's hard to explain. Yeah, I wrote I wrote down in my notes here that this is the five most boring nights in Freddy Fazbear's <laughs> Pizzeria history. Yes, like, nothing. Yes, happens really, Again, the entire time. Like Mike, the Josh Hutcherson's character that is the security guard. If he is playing in, like, if he is the security guard in a game accurate Freddy's, he's dying night one. He doesn't check cams, he doesn't check lights, and he doesn't close the doors. Like, Bonnie is snatching him at 3 a.m. Like, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind. So, that was a little frustrating, but... I, I completely agree. Um, the, the other thing that I've seen a lot of people excusing this for is that it's a, oh, well, it's a PG-13 horror movie. Let me read you out three PG-13 horror titles that are fucking horrifying. The Ring, which obviously is appropriated from Japan. Lights Out, which terrified me yeah. when I watched it. And Insidious, which still holds up as one of the most scary movies of all time. Those are all great picks. I mean, even now, you bringing up Insidious, I'm getting goosebumps because I'm thinking of that just terrifying ending. But Lights mm -hmm. Out, dude, talk about a blast story, not even from like the viewing experience, but what it did to me psychologically. I'm 23 now. Dude, if I go home, like back home to my parents' house, I my room's in the basement and my bathroom is on the opposite side of the basement, I still, to this day, I will hit the lights in the bathroom and dead-on sprint <laughs> back to my room 
slam the door and like jump into bed before the lady uh, with the long hair takes me out. Dude, uh, honestly, like I, <laughs> I think I slept with a light on for like two weeks after I oh, saw yeah. that the first time. It was oh yeah, horrifying. And I think uh, obviously lights out the ring insidious. They all have great jump scares throughout. But one of the things that they also do really well is the tension throughout because you're never sure when you're gonna get jump scared. There's no tension in this movie ever except for one moment where it's pretty early on. Can I talk about what the what the animatronics are doing when? Um, when Mike here's screaming. I I think it's time. Yeah. Um, mild spoilers right now. Um, <laughs> Mike here's screaming from his uh, sister sister in, in the other room, and he rushes in and sees that, oh, no, the animatronics are tickling her. And from then on, <laughs> it's just like there's no tension ever because it, it feels like they're never going to hurt her. Right. I I sat up in my chair in complete confusion. Again, apparently this is like comics or graphic novel accurate. I don't give a shit. I want to be scared. Like FNAF, <laughs> FNAF's value prop in the games, it, it's like one of these rare stories where I want to see jump scares. That's what the games are built on. I think there's I think maybe one jump scare. If this is, and obviously Skinnamarink is so divisive, but if this is more like Skinnamarink and there is more immersion involved and it really puts you in the seat of Mike, then I think that this works a lot better. Totally, totally fine. You don't want to do jump scares, fine. But I think that the way that they executed the scares without the big jump, it <laughs> that takes away from the tension too because you're just staring at big fluffy animatronics <laughs> they just look goofy i mean they look great like uh technically speaking but yeah. like all tension is ripped from almost every scene and that's only just that's the bare bones of what's frustrating here like if it, if they want to go the the kid route and like make this a like a fun family friendly halloween movie fine you do what you got to do the stuff that really bugged me and took me out of the movie it's just some really stupid side characters. I am I am I way out like way out of left field on this one. You're not. They are horrible. And honestly, even Mike doesn't really have like more than one or two characteristics. But the side characters are like caricatures of themselves. Yes, this feels like a spoof movie, like scary movie, or like I feel like John's use this comp of this is essentially stab in the scream universe <laughs> like there's a lot of gag characters there is a an, an evil aunt that is trying to take custody of mike's sister abby she seems very well off but her motivations are not to take care of the child because mike can't it's because she wants a check from the government which wouldn't make any sense because she seems very affluent and plenty wealthy so motivations are a little wonky and then executing her plan of of getting this child <laughs> is to frame mike and <laughs> there are a couple instances of trying to set him up but the one in particular she hires people to break into freddy's and trash the place to get him fired <laughs> it's so goofy i can't like explaining it right now is bonkers it's it's absurd and one of the characters she hires to do that too is um like a babysitter and the or like kind of a double agent babysitter we meet her early on in the movie when mike gets home from being fired from his first job and he's like oh i do plan on paying you eventually she's like oh no worries and then like we don't really see her other than just taking care of the kid from time to time until like I don't know, whenever, like, a few days later when she's meeting up and saying, yeah, I, I couldn't get you any proof of child neglect. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, motivations are so out of whack. But I want to call this out, too. I'm glad you brought it up. This movie starts off really hot with the meme scenes. Josh Hutcherson's character goes full Batman mode on, <laughs> on some guy at the mall. Um, he's waiting in line for an ice cream, and... He sees a little boy in the background and looks away, looks back, and the kid is getting grabbed like aggressively. 
and he immediately assumes this kid's getting kidnapped and full on like sprints like Jack Bauer mode like over to him like full on <laughs> launch tackles him into like the like water area you know like the water fountain area and just beats the shit out of this guy like will not stop just wailing on this dude um turns out to be the kid's dad oops um who could have guessed that like his trauma ends up getting explained later but i was belly laughing during that scene and the people around me i think were not as as i don't know i i just thought this movie was goofy there's so many goofy things like for instance a pivotal side character in this movie vanessa who plays a cop and has another side role that maybe be a little bit spoilery but her she's essentially just used as an expository dump she she comes in to fazbear's a lot to kind of help the audience you know understand the lore like mike will go into a closet with vanessa and there will be a doll that's wide open and he goes to put his hand in it and she stops him it's like oh no no don't do that because this this doll right here is spring activated it will crush your hand and he's like oh well how do you know that like how do you know so much and then she completely ignores him yeah she ignores him and then is like if you bring your sister back here i'll fucking shoot you and it's like whoa 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 whoa. come on what you you were just playing with her two seconds ago what just happened (laughs) just a a complete mess a complete mess it's Uh, it's absurd um the abby i i know you say you're you're not really a fan of her mike's sister i thought she was fine for the most part stop it stop it stop it stop it we just got an awesome child performance in the creator so i am just Mm. recency bias maybe but wow she was cheesy her two notable lines i hate you mike and then 20 minutes later i love you mike the delivery on some of these lines were they were a bit tough and fine if this movie's going and trying to be campy, I I guess then I'll just bow down. But wow, she sucked. Here's I I guess here's the biggest question I have thinking through this as as we're talking here. What made the the first game work so well? I think are two things. It is that you're completely alone, and that you're like always you always have to be on the edge of your seat like there's always tension on what's going to happen and you don't really know what's going on um and i think that maybe that's why this movie didn't really work for me i think that the the thought of just being thrust in here as like a hey this is your job and then just seeing these animatronics start moving and you're like what what the fuck is happening and you don't really have this vanessa to explain everything that's happening to you i think that's more scary and i think that being alone maybe even cutting out all of these side characters would make this a better movie i think another element that was great about the first game at least for me and i'm sure a lot of people is there was no really like guide as how to defeat the animatronics or make it through five nights it was like a learning curve like the first couple times that you play the game you start to pick up on bonnie and chica but you don't know to check pirates cove for foxy and it will fuck you up like <laughs> i think an element of this is the unknown too and I, I i like where you're going with this that that all of that tension and lack of knowledge base is what makes it scary um and and, like, and the, the jump scares too but go ahead yeah the jump scares too but i i was listening to uh an episode of the big picture on some of the best horror movies of this year and one of the things that chris was talking about is how like michael myers even like he he feels like it's more scary when he doesn't know like where this evil is coming from or what his lore is and he said that he like tries to ignore that stuff in the movie because it kind of ruins it for him and i kind of feel a similar way about this yeah i think another side of it too with michael myers especially or a lot of horror movies i I think some of the scarier scenes that that come to mind are when you don't see when when you don't know what happens and i i don't know i i feel like this movie could have benefited from that especially if it's not going to go the gore route like build some more tension 
signal the the threat of these animatronics, but don't don't show your hand too early. And I think that happened too. And even before the the t- the tickling scene, there mm-hmm. is a a big murder in in Fazbear's Pizzeria that happens. And I don't know. I think it showed its hand too much. A, a good scene, but it, it I don't know. The tension by was the going way, halfway I can't the movie. believe I can't believe they kept the cutaway from the trailer in that. Like I was fully the way they frame it in the trailer seems like all right, in in the trailer we're seeing these these buzz saws get closer and closer to this guy's face. In the movie, we're going to show you what happens. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. I I will Nothing. say there was one big notable kill and I think again, this is on streaming so you can pause pause this podcast and go rip the movie on Peacock if you want. But I think the most gruesome kill, and I did like this one, is when Max, the babysitter, goes to reach into Freddy Fazbear's like mouth because she hears a kid coming from the animatronic, and the kid snatches her halfway mm-hmm. into the into Freddy, and Freddy snaps her in half. That that was an effective kill, but. I don't know. I just I think to your point and what frustrated me the most was there's a point where the animatronics turn good and I no longer like am afraid of them. Yeah. So. I it, it's a shame. I don't know maybe this movie just isn't or maybe this game just isn't meant to be a movie. Um but regardless I don't know if you have any more comments. I really only have two more things. And Well, it's just like I think that this movie could be good. Like, and again, a lot of people clearly liked it. It's making a ton of money, and it and it honored what most of the fans apparently wanted, at least the diehards. What I said, my initial thought was, okay, after my second viewing, when I went in with a new perspective, I started to really understand like why people might have liked it. This movie was successful, and it clearly is doing what it believes the fans want. It's now going to take feedback from all the fans and then in the sequel which is inevitable at this point will fine tune all of the the issues and double down on all the strengths i think there's a good sequel here that can happen here's another thing that could play a big role in that is we talk about this massive opening weekend is this success going to keep coming um because Mm -hmm. if people don't rewatch it then these numbers are going to drop drastically here and I wouldn't be surprised if people see it once and then don't really go back. Because even if, like you said, even if you are like a hardcore lore fan for for Five Nights at Freddy's, then I, I don't know if you need to see this story be told more than once, do you? No, and again, like that was a cool thing about the games is all of the theories and lore, like a lot of it was built by the fans. It was developed over time. You had to unravel the mysteries here it's kind of dumped on you right mm-hmm. from the jump so there really is no rewatchability i only watched a second time because i had to for the record but and i promise you there wasn't really much for me to like call out except for little easter eggs so i don't know i i think there's a good point there it will come down to not just box office numbers in the coming weeks but like peacock viewership i think like peacock customer retention like sure did you get someone to pay five bucks for the month to watch the movie Mm -hmm. and then did they walk or are you holding fans on like that will be another thing to keep an eye out for either way this movie soared through its budget it's gonna get a sequel man i'm oh yeah i'm very certain i agree um the last comment i had is i can't believe there's no markiplier cameo i'm disgusted (laughs) i am disgusted that he is what got me into FNAF, like really dialed in. It's kind of sad. I think they wanted him to be the security guard in the opening scene. It just didn't work out because of scheduling. But there was surely another way that he could get incorporated. And when I was, you know, jotting notes on how I would have, you know, wrote this story, I, I worked a way in uh, to get Markiplier in there. He des- he deserved his flowers. He does. Um, it, I mean, I think he is a large reason why the game did get so popular in general a hundred percent anyways as as long as you don't have any more last second thoughts to add um i wanted to move into a potential video game adaptation draft it's actually something you suggested but this is just 
some of the picks we have for movie or video games that we'd like to see up on the big screen now. Um, I'm not the hugest FNAF fan, and so my list might be a little different than Ty's. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm full disclosure, I'm not the biggest gamer. Um, I've been playing NCAA football 2013 <laughs> for the last 10 years. I shit you not. That is one of three games I've played. But there, there are a couple, you know, deep cuts here and there. I, I think can make good movies. I think I'm gonna have a solid draft. All right, you wanna, you want the first pick since you're at a disadvantage. Yeah, I'm toast. So I gotta, I gotta go uh, top heavy here. Video game that I think would make a great movie or maybe limited series. I, I don't know if I can cheat here, but let's say I, it just says video game adaptation. So I'm, I'm running with it. Telltale's The Walking Dead very different than the tv show that we have gotten the long-running one there are four games but i'm talking about the first season anyone that's played these games or understands like walking dead lore knows that the best content walking dead wise is the telltale version steve i don't know if you've ever heard of it but it is essentially a choose your own adventure walking dead game where you are playing as a character named lee and you have to make decisions that alter the course of the game. It's phenomenal, not just because you can choose your own adventure, but just great writing, great character work, great father-daughter dynamic. I think it makes for a great movie, but a better limited series. Interesting. It sounds similar to The Last of Us. Yes, it was The Last of Us before The Last of Us. Okay, fair. Um, my first pick, I am going to one of the favorite stories I've, I've ever heard, and it is Knights of the Old Republic 2, um, the Star Wars classic. I would love to see a version of Darth Nihilus, Darth Sion, Darth Treya on the big screen. Ty, I don't know if you know much about the lore of these guys, but they are fucking unhinged. Like, um, one of these guys only has one hand, and they use three lightsabers and attack using the Force. Like, it's... <laughs> Darth, Darth Sion is, like, a guy who is so just pissed off that he's been killed, like, 50 times, and he just keeps willing himself back to life. It's <laughs> These characters are insane. I'd love to see an adaptation of something like that on the big screen. Remind me, these are the ones that have, like, the sickest cinematic trailers on YouTube. Yep. Oh, God, those are so awesome. So awesome. But I don't think I don't think you can do it in live action. I think it would have to be in animation just to get it right. Like, the combat is so good in those mm-hmm. cinematic trailers. I would not want them to mess that part up. I, I can agree with that. I think just the concept of having more than two Sith at a time is something that Star Wars needs to explore. Yeah, I... Couldn't agree more. I think it's a good first pick. All right. Are we snaking here? Oh, or are we doing yeah. Oh, yeah. Honor, honor the draft style. Go snake. Okay. Jeez, um, this, this puts me in a tough spot. Next pick, I think, I have to go. Have you ever played Play Dead's Inside? No. It is one of the most gorgeous games I've ever played in my life. I look up a picture of it if you want, but basically... You're just kind of thrust into this weird world where, like, you're a kid and there's, like, an army trying to kill you if they if they see you out and about and you're, like, controlling zombies through weird, like, um, gadgets and stuff to solve puzzles. It, it's a very interesting game. I think if they kept the animation and maybe explored the backstory of the world, I think it could be a really cool um, video game or movie. Very interesting. Well, I'm going way different than that and way different than my first pick. You know, I was really, I want, I really want to lean into a, maybe a coming of age or like Rocky-esque, you know, triumphant sports story. And what better than to adapt one of the best? We Sports is my second pick. <laughs> and it is about whoever we decide to be the me that crawls through all of the events i don't know if you do it olympic style and make them bowl play baseball box whatever it is all i know is that there's talks of this character of this this we character that no one can beat that can no no one can take down and you finally face off with them at the end of the movie and it's matt the, infa- <laughs> the infamous me character that you have to take down in all of those sporting events 
I think there's something here, and I think people would show up for that. Uh, <laughs> they might, um, if they play into the comedy side of it, for sure. Dude, I mean, Matt is one of, like, social media's favorite villains of all time. I think <laughs> who, it works. Who would play Matt? Oh, well, it's got to be animated. It's got to be animated. Sure. Oh, yeah. But, okay, <laughs> so... like who, a grizzled who, Denzel. Who, who voices Matt? Um... I think you make you make it something stupid, like Jack Black or something. Just something that doesn't sound right. Jesus, dude. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't I, like, even I, imagine. Yeah. But, but go wonky, make it funny, go Super Super Mario Bros-esque, and just like really make it look like Wii Sports, and I think it works. Fair. Okay. Um, you have another pick then, right? Urgh. Yeah, this is kind of a chalk pick. And I don't think, I, I I don't know if this works in movie-esque, but I think that the fans and if the right creator and director got behind it, it could be a great movie and get people in the seats. Give me Minecraft. It's arguably the greatest video game of all time. People still play it after, I think, north of a decade. Yeah. I, I think there's at least, there's got to be some kind of story to tell. I'm going Minecraft as my third pick. And I think that there are some like weird limited netflix shows that kind of explore a couple of the stories but i also had that on my list i think that minecraft deserves a feature let's go all right um moving on i have one of the more story heavy games that i've played um destiny have you ever... oh that's a good one that's yeah a good i one. think that just exploring our solar system and getting to some of those like weirder moons and stuff i think there's a lot that could be done with the world building. It, it seems like this is just like a, a time bomb right now, right? Yeah, I, I, I like that pick. Both Destinies, I think, are one, really cool to look at. I think it would look good in live action. But I don't know. I like the stories there. I think this is a good pick. Yeah. Um, next up, dude, I've got a tough choice here because I know uh, I'll, I'll just go with Dead by Daylight. This is going to be adapted. Um, it, it's actually in the works right now, so I'm excited for it. I think it's the, the lore Does behind that Dead count. By it's already being developed. Okay, with my next pick, I'm going to be taking. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to take Fallout. Ah, <clears throat> oh, that's I'm, a good one. I can't believe that that hasn't been adapted yet. Um, it feels like a no-brainer with the Halo show that came out that Fallout should kind of follow suit. It's, uh, I, I don't know, it's another one that feels like it's inevitable. All right, well, if you're cheating, then I'm going to cheat too. I know it's already a show, but not this story. And the Halo show sucked. I think Halo Reach or like maybe even Halo 3 deserves its own story. There is something there that the fan base is so large. And I think that they can get the look down. That was proven in the show. They just did the characters a criminal criminal injustice someone really? can do it right and make it a great movie yeah i mean my, my cousin is the biggest halo fan he's always trying to get me to like rewatch the gameplay with him there's something there i think there's a blast movie here with halo and then at the turn oh man this kind of changes things for me but i think i'm gonna go watch dogs here oh nice yeah this is i think can ter- be turned into a john wick with a ton of cool tech and like mm-hmm. go the ha- hacker vibe i don't know who you cast as the lead there but i had a ton of fun with the first movie i think this works who would it be um maybe like the the dude who plays punisher <laughs> no burnthal yeah <laughs> no way no way i'm trying to think of someone uh you know it's funny the first guy that came to mind is the guy from uh euphoria i don't know his name jacob something he's gonna play elvis eordi or something oh lordy yeah, yeah i don't I've, i'm not familiar with any of his stuff yeah but i know I feel he's like... coming out in saltburn though that looks good i don't know if you've seen other trailers yeah for that. yeah he's 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 super talented i i think he could make it work but i have a feeling this movie is kind of campy and probably wouldn't get a crazy budget so you go after um liam hemsworth you know, he, he's got the athletic build. He's got a little edge to him. He was in that weird, like, 2B 10-minute skit with Chris, Christoph Waltz back, like, five years ago. I think it could, I think that could work. Nice. 
Nice. I, right, I, I really hope you don't take my my fifth pick. I I was torn. Maybe I should have saved that, Watch Dogs. You have your five picks. You've done it. Oh, haven't you? No. No. I've no, got, no, no. Okay, wait, I have one. Wait, more. no. I've got Wii Sports. Oh, yeah. Walking Dead, Wii Sports, Minecraft, Watch Dogs. And Halo. Halo. Damn it. I'll give I'll give a, a waiver wire pick when we're done. All right. Um Oh man. A lot of good choices here, but I feel like the most well-suited game that we haven't picked here for the big screen is Red Dead Redemption. Mm, Just like yeah. A, a great western, uh, a great modern western. I think yeah. it'd be cool. Yeah, I'm dumb. I've never played those games sadly. So mm. like like does GTA deserve a, like a movie like could they get gta 5 right i don't think so um i feel like gta 5 is along the same lines as the movie gamer <laughs> yeah <laughs> of just yeah. like a society where everybody's controlling everybody and doing just <laughs> debaucherous shit um well, yeah. my honorable mention that should have been my my last pick, but that's okay. I'm going to Outlast. You ever heard of this one? Mm-hmm. That's a great Where one. You play as like a, a camcorder guy, like running through the halls of that like mental institution. Yeah, that's I, I, a I freaky game. Freaky I can't game. believe there are two um, honorable mentions that I'd like to give, if you don't mind. First off, Portal. You ever played those? Think yep. that could be a really cool sci-fi movie. Um, and then. Fortnite, dude. How did we not? <laughs> I can't believe Fortnite didn't get picked. <laughs> no, come on. I, there's another one, too. This is a... It was like a free PlayStation game. One of the like PS Plus months. I can't even tell you what it's called. Um, I want to say it's called Left Behind, but it just came to mind. It's where you play a co-op story with someone. Like You have to play with the second person. And the two of you are trying to escape prison. And by the end of the, the story, one of you betrays the other. And I think it would make for a good, good Netflix movie or something. Oh, uh, the like a way out. I think it's called. It has, yes, yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Great. Did one. you play it? No, but I played It Takes Two, and there's like a lot of yes. um, similarities, yeah. kind of. Yep. Well, as you can tell, um, I don't play very many video games, so <laughs> my apologies on my wonky list. We sports yeah. for the win. Yeah, I I have a feeling I'm going to sweep if we post this as, as like, an Instagram poll or something. I would get reamed. Reamed. <laughs> Jack, you, you've well, got Ty, the green you've, light. Well, you've Ty, picked, you've picked Wii Sports and Minecraft. Steve, what are your <laughs> picks? Oh, I don't know. The two best video game stories of all time. Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> That's all you had to say. You could have waxed me. Yeah, fair. Um, all right. The last thing that I think we have on this pod slate is um, the FNAF rewrite. So this is something Ty and I like to do from time to time, and it's just um, think about what we hated in a movie that we saw that had a lot of potential and rewrite the entire movie um, just as like an outline to kind of see what our vision for this would have been. So if you want, Ty, you can start because you had the idea uh, for the beginning of this. All right, the opening scene of this movie should have been what people are making fun of the critics for. It should have been a POV horror fest of the security guard checking cams, checking lights, hearing the banging on the door from Foxy. You don't see any of the animatronics do anything, but this guy is just petrified out of his mind, and he's running out of power, and... He's got both gates closed because he hears Freddy laughing on his right, and he's got Foxy banging on the door on his left. He cannot open (laughs) either door, and he's running out of power for the night. Lights go out. All the power cuts out before 6 a.m., mind you. The doors slide up, and you hear the stomping from, from Bonnie or from Freddy as he makes his way over to the door. You see his eyes. The jingle goes. Everything cuts to black, and you get the you get the Freddy you get the Freddy jump scare, and we cut to the credits, and that's how we start the movie. I don't want some some random security guard dying. I want us, the audience, feeling what we felt playing the games. 
I love that. I think that is the perfect opening to this movie. Um, then, after those opening credits, I think we go straight into Mike at the unemployment office, cut the Batman scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, it's just so crazy. Um, literally vengeance. Um, I would also write out the evil ant in this. I think Mike needs to keep his job to keep his apartment, or he needs to get a job to keep his apartment in this movie, he has, like, a sizable house. <laughs> and I was Seriously. left questioning, like, dude, how the fuck are you making the payments on this mortgage? <laughs> Seriously. Um, and so I, I think it needs to be a shittier place and um, show that Mike is doing just his best to take care for his sister. I don't want anything about his, his lost brother in this. I think that that was a waste of screen time, frankly. I think that this just needs to be Mike doing his best um, for his sister, and he really cares for her and loves her. So this job is a like just a desperation uh, plea, basically. And he doesn't have any money left for food. We see that he's like uh, taking scraps while his sister's eating eating dinner at or something. And Mike just needs the job for the two of them, not for a court case. Um, and then I think we end act one as Mike decides to take this job and he enters Freddie and sits at the desk. All right. That, that sounds great. And then we, we jump right to, I would think Mike being the security guard and the same way we open the movie, I think there need to be some more POV shots of him as the security guard. So we feel more immersed in this environment and and feel the fear that Mike should feel instead of him just snoozing every time he he shows up to Freddy's. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I did want to touch on that actually. I read about the like dream theory thing that Mike goes through in this movie. Apparently, like some fans created a dream theory that everything in the FNAF games is just inside of William Afton's dreams. Um, I think it's stupid. Okay. okay, that is interesting. I do want to make one call out too. So I mentioned earlier in the pod that Markiplier didn't make a cameo in the movie and that's kind of bullshit. They could have made it work. I think there's a way you can make it work. If he wasn't able to be on set to do any like screen time, fine. I think you make him the guy that's on the phone, like the old security guard that you talk to. Um, like in the game, you know, in FNAF 1, Night 1, you get the... Hello, hello. And they give the breakdown of what the animatronics do. I think you get this phone call from Markiplier. The fans will just go crazy for something like that. I think that's how you fit them in. That'd be awesome. Um, I, I love that idea of a cameo. The, the thing that I think also bugged me a lot about this movie is when Mike sees the first animatronic move from his office, he needs to, like, flip shit. Like <laughs> Right. Like if you if you Ty were going into a job as at a abandoned pizza place, and you saw a like just random piece of hardware start moving, wouldn't you just like leave? <laughs> yeah, like I I mean I guess he does he does try and leave, but when it's way too late, like we need a moment where he just says nope I'm I'm okay this isn't worth the you know four bucks an hour. And just takes off like night one. Yeah, I, and after I, I think that he can maybe stay through. Maybe the animatronics are super like slow in this, or he convinces himself that his eyes are playing tricks on him, or that he's overtired or something. Because truthfully, I mean, he's an overnight security watchman. He is gonna be overtired and sleep deprived. But I think that between night one and night two, we need another bonding scene between him and his sister. He needs to decide, okay, you know, no matter how hellish this job is, I need to stick to it. This this girl deserves to be treated well. Night two, I think, is night one, but turned up a little bit. And the animatronics get a little more aggressive this time. Like, they hello, are hello. starting to, yeah. Just a fair warning, the animatronics get a bit quirky at night. Um, I think, yeah, this is where we can kind of show the hands, you know, the animatronics and what, what, what they really can do. You know, first night it's maybe Bonnie's footsteps. You hear the clanking in the kitchen, but again, Mike is a, 
shitty security guard. He feels like this place is run down. All right, I'm I'm just going to leave. Like, there is nothing going on here. I I don't feel like dealing with whatever's going on in the kitchen right now. Right. Mike leaves, and some drunk idiots that in the original movie were just, they were showing up in the middle of the day. It's a big no-no. Um, they go there to plot a, like, a try and get Mike fired by trashing Freddy's. Here it's just some drunk idiots like, oh, well, well, look at this place. Let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. And these poor drunk teens get fucking mowed down by by Freddie and company. I, I I love it. That's I, I mean I'm sure that if like I were to stumble upon a Toys R Us at three in the morning with its doors unlocked, I'd walk in, right? <laughs> yeah, and then face hell from yeah. Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Anyways. Mike goes back on night three after doing some research. Um, like like Ty said, we don't want any exposition dumps in this movie. We want Mike to go and do his research. Maybe he's looking for other jobs too, but he's just like, I need to hold this um, in the meantime. So he tries to talk to one of the animatronics when they like when he goes into work that day, and uh, it's it's no use. Uh, the animatronics are even more aggressive now. They're chasing him. He ends up, like, fucking diving through the window or something. And just leaves again. Long gone. <laughs> he, is, he is a terrible employee. But, but who's uh, going to know, I guess, is is the thing, right, right? Right, yeah. And that's what he's starting to, like, figure out. It's like, I, I don't need to be here. The only guy that gave me the job, I mean, he's the only one that cares. And he doesn't really check up on me, so... I'm good. Right. I'm in the clear. But, um, right. So, what would happen next, naturally, there is a scene in the original movie where Abby, the sister, is coerced by Freddy um, and taken from their home to Freddy Fazbear's. I thought this was really stupid and a complete <laughs> waste of a great opportunity. <laughs> FNAF 4 is the arguably the scariest of the games it's the one where you're in the bedroom and it's like the dream sequence like the nightmare sequence mm-hmm. how do you not play into that here you i think you go full-blown fnaf 4 and now we're in abby's perspective like lurking around the room hearing things like checking the hallway flashing the light bam jump scare from like freddy and she's gone mike comes back after leaving freddy's and his sister's gone Oh no. Where could she be? Right. We don't know. And he he calls the police. They won't do anything. That's the like most common trope ever is 48 hours for the missing persons, right? Yeah. <laughs> um so Mike uh starts doing some investigating himself. He's he starts looking in her room and eventually he sees like either a, a like, like a spring or something from one of the animatronics or just something fell off or there's a big footprint or something that makes him realize oh shit (laughs) it was freddy (laughs) (laughs) i know that foot it's the eight foot fucking bear that i I see at work all the time and i want nine five when he goes in to to save abby to be just insane like uh the the bonus night 2020 or whatever it is um (laughs) this needs to be like animatronics are making threats from the very beginning there should be like 10 plus jump scares in this um i think shaggy arrives and he's furious shaggy meaning william afton um He's furious that the animatronics didn't already kill Mike, but Mike's doing his best to defend himself. He he starts to um, move in on Mike into the security office, but then Abby starts screaming and crying, and um, the there's some like visual cue that shows that the animatronics are are remembering what happened to them. If if. <laughs> And they they team up to kill him like they do in the movie. Yep, and then everything pans out the same. Wow, we are just just listening to us talk. You know, we we really have we've got a gift here. We have a <laughs> gift. I think we cooked here. I actually like this rewrite a lot. Um, 
I think that if this was the movie we got, we'd be talking about a four, <laughs> like a like a B, B plus, maybe even A minus uh, score. And instead, like you said, uh, this movie for me is an F. Yeah, just a lot of big misses. I think we covered a lot of those in in our rewrite. But at the end of the day, like we we could have cooked up whatever we want. I think at its core, we made it feel more like a FNAF game, especially in the tension building, the POV the the scares jumping from FNAF 1 to FNAF 4 like these are these are th- these were easy layups that I feel like were not captured and yeah. they went a completely different route and I don't know I think you still could have appeased the fans honored the lore in a different way I think we did that I agree do you have any closing out thoughts before I do our outro here this will not be the last rewrite now Steve and I have talked about this before but one of like our our core memories as friends during lockdown, I wrote a 50 plus page rewrite for Rise of Skywalker. Eventually we will talk about it, but we do have an act to, we really do like to do these rewrites. So we will deliver some more. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things to do with you. And I remember that that Rise of Skywalker rewrite went so fucking hard, dude. It, <laughs> it deserves to be made. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one day, maybe if the right people hear the story, they, they buy in, we get a little fan film going. I'd exactly. Yeah. Never say never. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for listening to this episode of The Blast Podcast. Be sure to check out our website at Blast. Oh, fuck. I'm doing it again. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this episode of The Blast Podcast. Be sure to check out our website at BlastMovies.net. Our Instagram at blast underscore movies underscore and our TikTok at blast.movies for all of our latest content and news. We are posting podcast clips daily, hopefully, on our TikTok and Instagram. So be sure to be on the lookout for that and we'll catch you guys next week.